Talking Landscape Photography with Christian Fletcher and Carwin. Want to score some free live room presets? Go to lightminded.com.au. I risk my life giving you these presets. It is our very first visual episode of Lightminded. So if you want to see how ugly we are in real life, get over to YouTube and just chuck Lightminded in the search bar and subscribe. I guarantee um, you will be disappointed. Hmm. Uh, to help kick off our first video podcast, we've got a legend on the show. Tom Brady. Hey, Christian Fletcher, <laughs> welcome aboard. I thought he was going to drop Great to have you, Christian. Um, I'm sorry that you got booted out and it's now the um, Carwin and Tom show. But um, <laughs> great to have you on, Christian. I thought it only best that we have you on, given it used to be your co- podcast, but now it's not. So welcome <laughs> aboard. How are you today? Well, I'm a little bit disappointed because my, my, my on my computer here, I'm small and you guys are big. And I'm massive. Well, you know, like it's just, it's, it's, we're, we're passing the mantle, aren't we? You know, you used to be the best and now I'm taking over. So well, I want to know over. what you've put in your hair, Tommy. <laughs> um, <laughs> this hair is sort of like a COVID thing. And um, I've actually shaved for the occasion. You'll recognize oh. that for the last 12 months, I've been wearing some sort of old man's beard, trying to yeah. um, look perhaps younger or older than I am. I don't know what was going on. And now um, now the hair is is out of control. And um, I don't know, I just chuck shit in it every day and it <laughs> turns out this way. I mean, what more can I say? It's just uh, Tom, naturally. Tom, have you seen that movie, what's it called, Something About Mary? <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, isn't it funny? There's his uh, partner's name yeah, is Mary. Yeah, okay. Oh, right. Let's move right along. Okay. Very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, no, what it's about terrible. You? It looks what? terrible, but that's okay. I'm just going with it. What's it's not nearly, with you as well, not nearly as well manicured as yours, Christian. Like, I do uh, wake up looking look, like that every day. It's all a bit, um, it's a bit, um, um, bit too neat at the moment. It's so grey. And, and this yeah. is the problem now that we're visual. Everyone's going to know that I'm an old. They're going to say, Jesus, I thought he was going to be some young, handsome man and now look at him. Yeah. He's, oh, he's hey guys, over the hill. Um, let's get into it, shall we? <laughs> I thought we were into it. This is it. This is a the podcast show. about hair and, and styling. Oh. First, um, first question is Tom, what's your what's your favourite shampoo, mate? <laughs> um, well, I just go with the. Um, no, I can't even come up with a smart ass answer. So, really, I'm, I'm behind Pantene. The it had to be Pantene. The Pantene do you, do you blow away? Or? or something. Look, Mary has attempted to blow away this this disastrous haircut, yeah. which would probably make it look better. But I will not let a bloody you know hair dryer anywhere near my hair. It's just it dries it out, and it, I get split ends. So it I'm might blow it out. Is <laughs> I'm losing it enough look, already? Looking so a really, little bit in there, mate. I don't want to lose any more. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Let's what's, what's your tip, Carwin, for um, fine hair? Uh, just um, I, I use Pantene. Oh, you use Pantene. Right. Um, yes, and um, and naturally filtered, um, well, rainwater, and I mix it into a lather, and yeah. Just, this is know. cash for comments. I swear, <laughs> is this show sponsored by Pantene or something? Is that is that why we're? It will be now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that North Face, they're all coming on board, and Tom Putt. Let's get that. Yeah. Yeah, I want a Tom Putt shirt. Okay, yeah. it's on its way to you, mate. I'll, I'll order it in the extra massive really? for you. Look at you. You've been working out, Carwin. You're, you're a beast. You're you guys. Beast. Hey, Tommy. Yeah. What are you doing? Tell us about uh, your photography, mate. What's going on? Tell us what's happening uh, in the Tom Putt world. Well, I'm busy putting together the photography for my next book, which sounds a bit weird because I've only released this um, this this latest one just before Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. So the Mornington Peninsula 
summer edition, which um, we released uh, a couple of weeks before Chrissy, just full of great photographs of what I took on the peninsula last summer. So we, we've had the gallery open two years now. We produced a book in the sort of first year of opening. That sold out. Um, and love those red shorts, Cohen. And then, um, <laughs> and, and, then and then we, during co during last summer, I, I photographed this book, took me about four or five weeks, mostly aerials here on the Mornington Peninsula. Mm -hmm. And then, um, during COVID last year and lockdown, I was producing this book, yep. but we've got this in the gallery. It's been selling really, really well. But of course, mm -hmm. as you know, the lead time on a book Christian yeah. can take quite a while. So I'm shooting for this, um, for the next book, which will be more on the Mornington Peninsula. I'm going to places that I haven't really um, spent enough time on. Yeah. So that's well, been a, the main focus. Yeah, It's a pretty popular area, uh, the Mornington Peninsula, isn't it? It's become more and more popular with COVID as well, in a sense that mm. many people are now not having to work out of an office. Um, yep. And so they're, they're migrating down here to have the lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, real estate's booming and uh, more and more yep. people are making that move down here to the peninsula, which uh, we did five years ago or so. And mm. uh, yeah, and look, um, I think what makes this book work, as you know, Christian, you know, people are very parochial about the Mornington Peninsula. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've showed it off pretty well with all the beautiful sort of lifestyle shots of people doing stuff down here on peninsula, jet skis and, and you know, boats and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so they love this as a coffee table book for their own place or to gift to somebody else who, who might have visited here or lives down here, etc. Yeah. So, yeah, we ordered 2,000 copies of these. So yeah. these are selling really well. Maybe we'll sell these out by the Christmas, which means that we'll need another book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just would you get a reprint? Would you do a reprint or...? Look, I don't think we will. I think we'd produce something else again, and hence why we didn't reprint the first book. Yeah. Um, there were things that um, we we wanted to improve for, for our next book, so hence yeah. why we, we produced a whole new book. And I think, again, you know, like you think to yourself, well, if, it, um, if we've got content for a new book, why wouldn't we publish that rather than reprint the old mm. one? So. Mm. You've I, I been, kind of uh, don't want to print reprint it because otherwise that tells me that I should have ordered more in the first place, uh, yeah. which is yeah. the mistake we made on the first one. We only printed about 600 copies, yeah. not knowing how it was going to sell, sold that really well and sort of went, oh, God, if we'd ordered more, we could have sold more and it yeah. would have cost us less per unit or the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. But look, mate, you've been doing books forever. I mean, when did you yeah. publish your first book? It was 2006 was my first book, which was through my portrait photography gallery called Ella and Friends and we yep. did a, a book called The Kids of Bayside because we lived mm -hmm. in the Bayside area and uh, we used that to raise money for charity and we did uh, in the end three Kids of Bayside books. We did six uh, wolf books which was my dog book that you've got, I love got it. in your and collection my kids there, always still love those. They're yeah. Some of the oh, best books and, and the production was amazing as well. No, we we spec that up huge, you know, like the money I spent, I, the money I spent on that production I wish I w would and I hopefully will one day put into a landscape book because mm. as you know, you know, it was a beautiful production, printed cover, dust jacket, um, you know, 300 pages or more. Mm. Um, yeah, we, we didn't hold back in that sense. And so I'd love to produce my own book on Australian landscapes with the same quality production at some yeah. stage. Yeah, uh, it'd be awesome. I mean, and they were beautiful books still, are they? Yes. We still got them at home. Still so we, we did six dog books, three kids books. That was nine books in total. We raised $100,000 for charity doing that. Great. And then um, in the meantime, I've done three smaller A5, you know, souvenir books, uh, mm -hmm. one on the Cradle Mountain Lake Sinclair 
one on the Rootburn track in New Zealand and another one on the Milford track in New Zealand. They've pretty much mm. all sold out. Mm. And then um, we did our first morning to Peninsula book last year or the year before, and then this one um, just before Christmas. So this is my fifth landscape photography book. Um, but, you know, there's plenty more to come. I've done a book on the snow landscapes of Australia that we just haven't yeah. printed yet. Um, and, uh, and it's coming up to 25 years of me sort of seriously photographing the Australian landscape. So. I would love to do a book on the Australian landscape and sort of put together a, a collection of my favourites from Australia at some stage. That's an amazing looking book. Uh, Tom, the uh, cover shot, was that shot with a drone or...? No, it wasn't, Cohen. Um, that's probably one of the most popular questions I get asked here in the gallery when people are seeing the artwork and, and flipping through the book. I, I have been shooting a little bit more with the drone because um, for specific photos that I wanted here from the Mornington Peninsula, I was too high up in a plane, I was too low on the ground. So there were specific shots that I knew that I wanted um, using a drone or needed to use a drone. Um, having said that, the book ended up being about 50% drone images and then 50% planes that I charter here from a local airport. Um, so far more drone pictures than I thought, simply because, you know, sometimes you put a drone up for one shot and then you'll go, oh, you know, let's have a play over here or something presents itself and all of a sudden you've got three or four photos out of the one setup and the one shoot rather than just one. So um, it, mind you, we've, we've, we're using the DJ, I'm using the DJI Mavic 2 Pro with oh, the Hasselblad cool. lens. Yeah. And, and I guess what we've always done in the past is not tried to rely on a drone because of the quality. And we wanted to um, produce artwork for people that would mean that it looked fantastic. So we didn't mm. want to produce a book and know that it'll look good in a book. And then, yeah. and then if somebody came in and said, oh, I'd really love that print as a, you know, big print for my wall, and we go, no, sorry, you can't order that because the drone is, is not the quality we want. We yeah. now are, are doing that. And, in fact, if I just take you on a, a quick little spin of the gallery, for example, this shot here, we literally just we literally just sold this this morning. This is a point in the pan right at the end of uh, Mornington Peninsula here. This is a two-metre wide acrylic, so 200 centimetres. Yeah. Who photographed that one, Tom? It looks quite good. <laughs> it looks quite good. <laughs> the quality in that is incredible. That was shot with a drone. It's about four or five pictures stitched together. And yeah. even I'm amazed at how good that quality is. That's not to pump up my tyres. It's more just to say if you can stitch a, a photo, drone photo, get, photo together, for example, we're getting, you know, 200 centimetre acrylic prints out of it. So it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are, they are really good. Um, and I, look, I've been making some pretty big prints from just from single captures from my old Phantom 4 Pro and getting really yeah, right. good results. So, yeah. Really? So you're printing that um, on photographic paper and framing it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. How, how big? Uh, how big? Uh, the what, biggest I've done is 175 centimetres on the longest right. side. And you've um, been really happy with the result? Yeah, yeah. And right. it, I guess it depends on the image that you, you do and yes. and and the, how you treat the file and then how you blow it up. You know, I'm using Gigapixel AI and that does a yeah. pretty amazing job. There's a few there's a few issues with it. Um, yeah. Um, and you've got to you got to really look at the file once it's been enlarged because it can do some some kind of crazy Funky thing. stuff. It can, it can. I've done that with um, people on a beach, an aerial shot with people on the beach and they kind of look distorted or they look like um, they've been attacked by aliens or something, I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes the, the arms can get distorted or the skin just looks a bit off, things like that. So, yeah, you do have to be yeah. careful about it. And that's quite ironic, really, because uh, often people, you know, think that you're actually filming them when they're on the beach. And in reality, <laughs> 
it's so wide you can't actually even see them. Well, yeah. well, the other thing is too, people come into the gallery and they see some of these on the walls and they go, oh, did you get permission from every, any, everybody on the beach there to uh, print that one? It's like, uh, yeah, I went and asked every single person in that <laughs> photo that I, can I, can I use your photograph to uh, put on the wall? Hey, ironically, you kind of, we talk about using a drone to be able to blow up photographs and get the quality out of it. And then I go and use um, a 50 megapixel, you know, $10,000 camera plus lenses, et cetera, to then produce this, which is only at a hundred dots per inch. So, <laughs> you know, the other, the opposite direction, we're really just massacring the print or the- Is that, the uh, is that in Victoria, Tom, that shot? It looks like- that, uh... New South Wales. It, it looks like, more often than not, people say it looks like the Dandenongs. It is, in fact, a local piece here. Um, I've been searching mm -hmm. for this spot for a while. I've seen um, used uh, on tourist um, websites, etc. This, this or similar shots of like these tall mountain ash trees mm -hmm. to promote the Mornington Peninsula. I'm like, where the hell is that? There's not. We don't have that on the Mornington Peninsula. You know, we're a coastal. Yeah landscape mm. not not this mm. stuff this is danny nongs or yarra valley or or something else and yet mm. i had a client come into the gallery and they were telling me about this spot called fern gully which is right opposite a sports oval of all things up here on the peninsula in the hinterland and you go down this very steep slope and you get into this beautiful um, remnant rainforest uh you know tall uh, tree ferns um, and then, and then a few of these um, beautiful mountain ash, and so that was taken on a winter's morning last winter. Beautiful yeah. mist in the, uh, just mm. sitting in the valley there, and yeah, it came up really nicely. Did and you have print? Do you have to be John. careful um, pulling a camera out uh, with a sports field just behind you, mate? Does it, <laughs> do you worry no, parents for this? You're well, you're well hidden away from that. And uh, <laughs> and at 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning, there's not too many people on a sports field at that time. But um, Tom, can I just ask you, where's your gallery in relation to Frankstown, Frangertown? We're uh, <laughs> about 15, 20 minutes from from Franganistan, as they call it. And, <laughs> And uh, yeah, we uh, we often get the lovely people from Frankston join us here, Carwin. So well, I, I'm not yeah. sure why you're asking that question. Are you are you talking I, them down? Are you having a go at them or what? No, I just I, I I'm a fan. I've got a good oh. story about that place. I was um, I was travelling around Australia with uh, an old girlfriend. Uh, she wasn't old, but it, she's an older <laughs> girlfriend. And, uh, <laughs> and it's not, I don't go out with, you know, old oh, people. Like, oh, and um, so many places yeah, we could go to be that. <laughs> she went, she, we were at this caravan park in Frankston and she went to oh, have yeah. a shower and she was yes. having a shower and all of a sudden some guy sticks his head under the under the oh, door oh, and oh, has, a, yes. has a bit of a peep. Mm. And so she yelled and he ran off and then she came out and... and uh, I'm and sorry, I didn't know it was her. I didn't know it was you, Christian. <laughs> I should have done that. Oh, my apologies. I got so, away yeah, with that. Lovely, lovely place. I'm sure it's not like that all the time, but um, I'm not it, sure what that caravan park was called. But it was, um, yeah, it wasn't. We didn't stay there more than one night. It, so. it doesn't. It doesn't have a great reputation, and it does have some unsavoury types in it. <laughs> the whole of Frankston. The whole of Frankston. It's um, look. You, you can find those people anywhere, even in Dunsborough, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just had a guy lighting fires down here. Oh. Know, a knucklehead going around trying to set the cape on fire. And he, uh, well, he did. And luckily, it, he, he was, um, I don't know, it's like he was either thoughtful on that he was lighting the fires just before the biggest rain event we've had in uh, ever in February, uh, or he, he was stupid because, uh, you know, he'd lit these fires, they're going off, and then all of a sudden the rain came and put them all out. So, mm -hmm. luckily for us. Some, yeah, there's uh, weirdos everywhere, mate. It's um, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah, down here. On this podcast, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, most of the weirdos down here got tripods when they come down. So, <laughs> really, yeah, yeah. dog with you know. Hey, mate, yeah. I was just looking at a photo on your um, Insta page um, of a storm over N- Namibia. I mean, that yes. that is an absolute ripper. I Thank you. Yeah, we had a great time there. That was the first time we ran a workshop to Namibia. So that was back in March 2017, and we purposely go at that time of year because um, the, because you can sort of catch the end of the wet season or the stormy season. And mm. they've been in severe drought for a number of years now, in fact. And um, I've been back since in that time period and not seen any of those storms like we had then. But that was such a magical day. Mm. Um, we'd arrived at this place called Volvenens, which is a private reserve um, in the desert of Namibia. And look it up. It's like bloody six-star luxury. You actually... Um, you actually go in these private vehicles that take you up onto this huge, expansive sand dune and you stay in these luxury um, lodges. They're just absolutely stunning places to go. And uh, they took us out for safari one afternoon and there were these storms all happening around us. And, in fact, that rained on our vehicle at the time and they're like, the guides are so apologetic. They're saying, oh, I'm sorry it's raining and I'm sorry you're getting wet. We're like, no, this is unreal. It's like 35 degrees, 90% humidity and it's pouring rain on us. It was very refreshing. But we were literally, you know, when those storms were coming, we're like, no, stop, great, we're going to get a shot here. And that was a panoramic stitch just literally taken right next to the car. Yeah, it's just so beautiful. Just the colour of that, that soil. Unbelievable, you know, like you have to sort of almost tone it down because the colour is just so... Yeah, it is so A lot sort of similar to this Shark Bay area. Um, Yeah, yeah, that was just ordered by a client of mine um, who ironically was on the same workshop, but they're having a, um, is it 20th, 10th wedding anniversary and it's the the gift is metal. And so Mm -hmm. we've had that printed on, or aluminium, the gift is aluminium. So we've had that printed onto uh, an aluminium you know, piece yeah. and it's um, it's arriving shortly. So oh, that's nice. Yeah. To mm. be told, so what? I mean, Namibia is that a place that uh, is probably one of your favourites? I mean, obviously the the Faroe Islands as well were mm. pretty spectacular. Oh, but you've, yeah. you've been to some pretty awesome places. I mean, far out. <laughs> well, I mean, every time I look at you, you're going to be cool. So, used to. Um, used to. Um, yeah. Look, uh, Namibia is a special place, and I've been back three times now, and it's not something that. You, I guess you love a place when you when you go back and you feel like you've only just left or you haven't left already and you're, st- and you're planning your next time to go back there, you know what I mean? I know that yeah. I love a place when I'm doing that and yeah. um, it's always special to go back there. There's so much variety in the landscape to photograph. Yeah. Um, you know you know what it's like. You've been there. You've got Coleman's Cot with the, the desert consuming the, um, the buildings there, yeah. uh, the quiver tree forest. You've got Volvodens with those amazing sand dunes, um, Sossus Flay with the, some of the tallest... <laughs> sand dunes in the world um and that uh last time we were there we did two helicopter flights over walvis bay with those incredible soap salt ponds or, mm. or salt works in there as well which were amazing so yeah. yeah there's plenty to photograph there that's for sure yeah it's pretty pretty cool place and um uh, what was that place lake something or other with a frozen lake lake oh lake baikal like Baikal in Russia. Yeah, well, yeah. this I'm spewing because my guide um, is there at the moment. My Russian guide is running a series of um, workshops there for local Russian photographers, of course, not for any internationals, but this is the time of year that we go. Lake Baikal is the largest and deepest freshwater lake in the world. It's 1.6 miles deep or, yeah, one, point, well, one mile deep, which is 1.6 kilometres deep in its deepest point uh, holds 20% of the world's fresh water and every winter it gets down to about minus 20 minus 30 degrees and the top Mm. sort of um, layer uh, top meter 
freezes over and wow. you can literally drive on it. And so we go there each year to, um, to run a photographic workshop and photograph the lake for a week in the yeah. middle of Siberia. It's amazing. Yeah, and uh, what's it like going in and out of Russia? Do you have to make sure you keep an eye on your underpants? You don't want... <laughs> what? I'm not sure why you'd have to keep an eye on your underpants, Christian. Please, please uh, explain. Oh, because please. that, um, what's his name? That's how they uh, poisoned. Yeah, yeah. No, look, you know, it's interesting. I guess if you'd told me a few years ago you're going to Russia, what's it going to be like? People often have this misconception about going there and that it's a dangerous place or that you might all of a sudden, you know, fall into the wrong hands and, and be locked up and never be seen again or all that sort of stuff. It's, mm. I find them very welcoming. Um, you, you don't feel at all afraid, you know, being there as such. It's you're just you're, you're just a tourist in somebody else's country, so to speak, and um, I find them quite accommodating. Uh, yeah. And it's an amazing place to go. It's not somewhere that I thought I would get to in a hurry, but um, it's, it's yeah, I definitely recommend going. I've been to Moscow yes. and I've been to, you know, Irkutsk and Lake Baikal in the sort of far east. I'd love to go to the Kamchatka um, Peninsula and see other parts mm. of Russia as well. There's some incredible places there, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, with yeah, with Russia, like we, you know, we can't, you know, it's it, it, it's so different. Do you, do, does it feel like you're walking into a completely different culture or do they have Maccas in <laughs> Moscow? Um, right. you, you know what? It's it's probably strangely familiar in a sense that uh, it, it look, doesn't look much different to what we have here in Australia. Obviously, the um, where we go, Irkutsk, which is the main township that we fly into. Mm. It's north of the Mongolian border. It's on the actually on the same um, time zone as, as Perth and Singapore. Oh, wow. um, so if you sort of draw, up, draw a line straight up from Perth and go up to Russia, you'll end up at Akuts, right? Um, mm. It's about three or four hours drive from Lake Baikal. Um, yep. It's a pretty industrial type of town. The, the standard of living is quite low. Um, mm. But they still have shopping centres, you know, just like you'd have your Westfield or whatever else you've got over there yeah. in Perth. So um, it's just damn sight colder it's minus 20 degrees outside and then you walk into this amazing modern clean you know shopping center and, mm. and it's you know it's just yeah. like you're at home so to speak so yeah. other than when you go into the supermarket and you go shopping for alcohol there's like a whole wall of just vodka and, yeah. you, can, and you can buy it just as yeah. cheap as what you can water you know like literally yeah. i picked up this bottle and went oh, i'm putting something home for mary and it's got this beautiful picture of lake baikal on it and it's baikal vodka sort of thing and i like i'm doing the conversion in my head as i walk up to the counter to pay for it i'm like that can't be right it's like mm. 500 you know um russian what is it rupees or whatever it is um and and it's like five bucks for this bottle of vodka you know litre bottle of vodka it's just ridiculously yeah Yeah. hey um there is a town there in i think it's in siberia in russia it's the the most polluted town on earth have you ever seen that one it's like I haven't known. It's an industrial disaster. That's I mean, it's basically Yeah, and it's amazing. And that, right. that's one place I would like to go to photograph because it just looks so dire. Everything it's like a scene out of a, a movie and everywhere yeah. around there's just industry and pollution and, and you have to fly in. I don't think you can drive in. It's right out in the right. middle of the nowhere. Um right. yeah, so yeah, yeah no, that would be I'll that's look it a, up when we jump yeah. off this call. Yeah. That's the place I, where your next workshop, Tommy, I think. <laughs> Not sure how many takers we'll get. <laughs> I've got a question for you, blokes. Shit. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Oh, it yeah, seems sorry. like somebody else has as well. 
Who's that? It's, it's Scott Morrison on the phone. Just wanting <laughs> yeah. to. Uh, quick question for you, blokes. If you could, would you photograph Chernobyl? Yes, 100%. Yeah, probably. Without a doubt. Yeah, look, um, I don't know whether you've seen any of my stuff, Carl, and I'll shoot it across to you, but I did some... Um, my introduction to sort of more of that abandoned places stuff was uh, my brother-in-law um, and sister-in-law were living in uh, Berlin at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. Back in 2009, we went there for Christmas. We took the kids over and we had a holiday over there. And, yeah. uh, and, and Ben, his name is, had a fascination for these abandoned places. So he found this place on um, the internet called Bielitz uh, Huston, it's called. Mm -hmm. And it's um, actually where Hitler hid out um, during the war. Um, mm -hmm. it, was an, it was an old psych hospital. And uh, it only recently closed down in the like say, the last 15, 20 years. And and he said, oh, I want to take you to this place. It'd be a good spot to photograph, right? So yeah. this is Christmas Eve. We jump on a train an hour west of Berlin. We hop off in the middle of nowhere. It's dead still. It's about zero degrees. There's this fog just hanging all around. And he's got this sort of, you know, dodgy map. He's printed off Google. And he says, oh, I think it's somewhere in this way. So we walk up this road, no one else around. Um, there's this big red brick wall to the side and he goes, yeah, I think that's it. So we find a hole through the wall. We walk through this forest. And the next thing you know, this amazing two, three-storey, huge building is in front of us. And um, we literally walked through the, the front windows, you know, because the whole place has been abandoned and spent the next um, four or five hours just just walking our way through this whole place, um, mm. expecting to find either somebody who wanted to kill us or a, or a dead body there one way or the other. Because <laughs> you tell her filming a video. It was a creepy ad. Well, speaking of videos, they actually filmed part of the piano. I'm not sure if you saw that movie with, um, uh, oh, you know. I've been waiting for the book. That's yeah. that, that was incredible. Um, yeah. And and the numerous sort of photo shoots have been done there by um German fashion photographers, you know, gothic type stuff, all the rest of it. But if you Google it, the place is friggin' incredible. It's mm. it's amazing. And so, yeah, the idea of going to Chernobyl and shooting that as well, yeah, very much interests me. Mm. Would you? I mean, you know, you you do it from the air, obviously, but would you would you do it from the ground? And yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you know, I think it's safe enough. You, sure, there's there's a certain amount of radiation there, but you're not exposing yourself to <laughs> just where you're. Um... Your lead lined underpants. I need to protect all those oh, important mean, uh, genes. About underpants, of flat fits. That's a that's a novel concept for me. Really <laughs> to wear underpants. Yeah. But uh, we've got a uh, a question in from a listener. This is from JS Parker Photography. Uh, this is for you, Tom. What would be your most memorable shoots? One from the land, or one from above? Oh, and uh, where does the legend get his shoes? And that's that's verbatim. <laughs> How in the hell? This is not going live. How does how does Mr. Parker know that we're uh, live and on air at the moment? I think you make this shit yeah, up. Honestly. No, look, it's there. Look, it's I, actually. I this is light-minded, mate. This no, is how it works. That's right. You did put a call out for people's questions to come through. Yeah, the that's best right. aerial and the best on the ground shoot that I've done. Geez, that's putting me on the spot, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um the best aerial shoot that I've done. Um, oh God, it sounds a bit cliche. I mean I've done 60 hours in planes over Lake Air, so that has to be, you know, probably a perennial favourite mm, in the mm. sense that if you'd told me years ago to go and photograph aerials over Lake Air, I would have said, well, what's the point? It's just a big, flat, expansive salt pan, you know? But yeah. if you take a good look at it, you, you'll see on my website and you've seen other people's works perhaps of just how amazing that place really is and the mm. beautiful, intricate, abstract shots you can get from there is quite incredible.
That's um, great, mate. But where did you get your shoes? <laughs> <laughs> what shoes is he talking about? Are they wearing any particular shoes as such? I don't know. I'm more known for my pants than my crazy pants than my my crazy shoes. You definitely got crazy pants. I do. I do have a, a red. Uh, look, I tell you, I'll give away my secret that I do get my funky shoes and pants from Wish.com. That app. That app on your phone's called Wish.com. Oh, really? That yeah, cheap that dodgy site. place. Yeah, yeah, I know. I pay like twenty bucks for a, a pair of pants. That you really pay that are, much? You actually bought them. I would have thought you'd only wear them because you got given them. <laughs> right. This one is in from uh, Phil Scrimmageur, and I, I keep on stuffing his name up, so I'm surprised he actually still even listens. Uh, if you could move to a different state in Oz for photographic purposes, WA. that's what i said which would have been i said i'll answer i have to say that because we're this is a wa centric podcast but to be honest you know how much i love shooting my aerials and i love christian's work and but you know scott mccook and and tony hewitt i mean you guys live in the capital of australia for aerials if not the world i mean you guys have so much variety there with the salt lakes around the gold fields esperance in the southwest there um, you know, stuff even around Dunsborough and the, and the sand mining and the other mining that goes on there. Mm. Um, and they're up all the whole of WA coast, bloody hell. You know, yeah. the Hoopman of Rollis, Shark Bay, Carnarvon, Lake McLeod area, mm. Point, uh, Headland, Dampier. <laughs> Keep going. You know, like in, yeah. if, if I had if I had yeah. a choice and I had all the money in the world, and you know, like Christian, I would definitely do a week or two um, aerial through the Kimberley and that whole Kimberley coast. Yeah. That would be. Well, hold on. Speaking of which, I do have a workshop coming up in April this year where we are doing a heli safari through the Kimberley for a week. Our only mode of transport is a helicopter, privately chartered. So I can't wait for that. Fingers crossed that all goes ahead and you guys, you bastards, don't lock me out. We won't. that was. Uh, I, I was going to ask you, Tom, if you if you do a uh, Google search for Tom Part, uh, one of the first things that comes up is Tom Part oh, Photography Workshops, Stirling Street in Perth. Yes, You're in Victoria, mate. I've just got to ask you, how's the workshop situation? <laughs> Sterling Street, but um, it's it's very no, fluid. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, I know, I know. I put that in Google because you can. Um, you can tell Google that you actually have an office there, even though you don't. But I just look on Google Maps, and it's actually just a rubbish bin at the side. <laughs> that's of the road. it. That's it. Well, that's okay. But people, yeah. but, but you know, I'm I'm all across Australia. I've got one in Adelaide, so Sydney, Brisbane, Perth, etc. Um, the situation to answer your question seriously is is interesting to say the least i spoke to somebody quite well up in the uh, medical industry just yesterday and there's no chance of us getting anywhere overseas this year or next year Mm. so to speak so like you know here we are you know delaying overseas workshops from last year to this year you know Mm -hmm. thinking we're going to get away it's not happening in the next couple of years you know Mm -hmm. so so we're now planning obviously more um you know australian based workshops but again we're planning and hoping for the best but expecting the worst in a sense that you know we're booking flights to come to Karajini and do workshops there and the Kimberley to go up there and yet tomorrow they could shut the borders and it all goes to shit so what can we do other than just plan for the best and hope for the best and see what happens but it's it's really it's really shitty time for those of us running workshops who who obviously enjoy doing that and have that as part of our, our, our you know employment mm-hmm. um, but we're in the same boat as a lot of other tour operators that they're in the, right. you know the same thing we just we just hope that this thing stays reasonably well controlled or contained and that mm-hmm. we can 
travel freely between states so that we can um, obviously enjoy the, the beautiful parts of uh, what you guys have to offer there in WA. Yeah. Tom, you're a, um, a man of the world, a learned individual. <laughs> Just want to ask you your opinion. Okay, you've, you've touched on the fact we're probably not going to travel overseas for the next couple of years, mm. uh, besides, you know, traveling to New Zealand and uh, that sort of thing, which, you, you know, which is another is, state of Australia, really. I mean, yeah, exactly. They, exactly. They, they want to become a part of Australia, but anyway. Yeah. Or you can just go to and just, you know, have the New Zealand experience. But, uh, mate, where's this going to go? You know, we, we're in Perth. We've just come out of lockdown. We're, uh, you know, we have to wear masks in public. Um, yeah, welcome, if, welcome to Christian, our world. Except if your name's Christian Fletcher. And you, uh, gets, gets away with everything. You live in Dunsborough. But you want uh, a mask on this. <laughs> I know. Why ruin that beautiful face, mate? You spent a lot of money on that on that face there. You've got to show it off. <laughs> He's unbelievable. He's straight out of a GQ magazine, I tell you what, front cover. Look out, look out George Clooney, because honestly, Christian Fletcher is in the house. Oh, no, I just saw George Clooney in that Midnight Sky. Have you seen that movie? No. Don't watch it. It's the really? worst. It is the worst movie I've ever... Really Actually, you have to watch it just to realise how bad movies could be with big-name stars in them. It was a I, I, t- I tell you one movie that's not well-known about George Clooney, and it's called... And it is a ripper. It's called Michael Clayton. Oh, yes. Watch yeah. that. It's this sort of... It's this drama. Um, it is a most amazing twist at the end. I watch it every time and love the ending. Michael Clayton, it's called... It's a ripper. You'll really enjoy it. Anyway, go on. The thing with uh, with George is he's actually a very underrated actor, I, I think. And uh, you think? Uh, yeah, Christian's a massive fan of his. Can't you tell? He's just, <laughs> he's just given his latest film a massive plug. Oh, I'm, I'm a massive fan too. But just uh, just getting back to the point, where's this yes. all going to go, Tom? Like, in your opinion, where's this? You know, where, look into my crystal ball. An end point. It's it's interesting because to answer the question quite seriously, you know, even if we do get back to overseas travelling at some stage. Mm. Um, a lot of the airlines will go bust if they haven't already. So yeah. you'll end up with less choice. Less competition means the prices get jacked up higher, so it'll be more costly for us to travel. Who knows that we could travel to America or Europe, wherever, and all of a sudden the government slammed the, the international borders shut mm-hmm. and you're stuck overseas. You yeah, either, exactly. you either pl- Your flight gets cancelled because, mm. you know, the borders are shut yeah. and or you, you aren't allowed back in the country because you don't match their quota for the week or the month or the year yeah. and you're stuck overseas you know mm-hmm. like bloody hell what do you do then you're paying gonna... you, you go go and live in a hovel for as long as you need to because it's going to yeah. be costly to be living in a hotel and waiting all that time to get a, a plane flight back it's, it's strange times indeed but you know, and to use an Aussie expression, you you're fucked. Really. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, there are actually people in that boat, in that predicament uh, right, right now. now. Right now, who can't get home and have been trying to get home since this started twelve months ago and um, can't afford a business class ticket because one of the one of the better ways or, or um, a more likely way to get home is to buy a business class ticket for say five thousand dollars or more and and try and yep. get on a plane that way. They can't yep. afford that because maybe they've got family, kids, what have you. And yep. yeah, they've been waiting every time they book a flight, it gets cancelled. So they've been yep. waiting for a long time. It's a terrible situation. Hundred mm, yeah. percent. It's up. we certainly don't want to be a position at the very least where we go and lead a workshop overseas, but then have to come home and quarantine for fourteen days at yep. our own cost, which mm-hmm. is going to be three thousand dollars plus. Mm-hmm. For two weeks out of our our life that we don't get back, 
Um, you know, I've got a gallery to run. I, I'm not doing that. So mm -hmm. and I wouldn't expect my participants to do the same either. So, yeah, it's a really tricky spot at the moment. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, God knows what will happen. Yeah, yeah, it's, mm. it is. It's hard to, to count on doing anything. I mean, I've got to go to Perth tomorrow to, to drop off some pictures. Oh, I wouldn't do and, that. I wouldn't go I, there. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I've got to I'll take a mask and I've got to get an exemption to be able to go across the... The uh, border, the imaginary yeah. border. <laughs> yeah, much, isn't it? Really? Really? That, should, that should be the rule all the time. You should just be able to just say, "Hey, don't you know who I am? I'm Christian Fletcher." Oh, sorry, go straight through, Mister Fletcher. Sorry about that. <laughs> Doesn't work sorry like that. Mistake. They usually say, "Oh, you're Christian Fletcher, aren't you? You're such a wank." <laughs> hey, do you know, hey, do you know Peter Eastway? Yeah, 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 he's a guy I want to meet. <laughs> and that Tom Putt guy, you know, who is this yeah. Peter Eastway you talk about? Never heard of him. Uh, he gets it mentioned every friggin' time. I tell you why I don't. We've Beautiful. done more for his career than he's done, I reckon, in, in these <laughs> podcasts. I tell you what, he can talk, can't he? He talks more than I do yeah, on, he, on the podcast. He does well. He does well. He's, he's, got, a, he's, he's got an answer for everything you say to him. He's very quick. He he's very witty. He is. He's yeah. Yeah, very witty. Yeah. Very quick. All right. And what about have you got for me? Any other mate, questions there, Carmen, from my fans? Or did my mum write one? Or yeah. Well, actually, uh, may you... Um, this is from, um, mate, I'm going to stuff the name up here, okay? But this is from Villasaris Photography. Yes, anyway, Paul. What's it, like, what's it like being you, Tom? That, <laughs> again, like somebody actually... Like, it's, tough, it's tough work, but somebody has to do it. Um, yeah, uh, no, no, it's all good. I'm, I'm with this most amazing woman, you know, my life, Mary, who Christian knows, and uh, and got, you know five gorgeous kids that we're raising in a gallery and workshops and everything else. In a gallery? Oh, You're raising the five kids in your gallery? We have to. We've got kids out of home, <laughs> so we can't afford it. <laughs> Actually, we I think I'm sleeping on the floor. <laughs> need more people to come in here and buy artwork so we can afford to live in a house of our own. But um, no, life's pretty good, that's for sure. Yeah. How's the gallery going? Look, it's it's going pretty well. This is the year, to be honest, where it really needs to ramp up. I think the first couple of years you're kind of still finding your feet and mm -hmm. people are getting to know you within the community, etc. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what we're really trying to do now is obviously make sure that we become a, 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 a driving force, so to speak, in terms of like people know who we are and that we this is the place to come to if they want local art or art from mm -hmm. everywhere else, etc. So, and the other thing is too, you kind of get traction and people now you know, have the artwork hanging in their own homes and then you get referrals from their friends, et cetera. So. Yeah, it all snowballs, doesn't yeah. it, you know? You hope that, so. That's, that's, you know, that's you what happens. So. Yeah. I mean, we're not... I, go on, come. I was going to say, you know, setting up, you, you're one of the few people in Australia to do it. There's, uh, you know, Scott Lego is yep. quite successful in it and that sort of stuff. Yep. And I'm just going to ask you this, I'm not taking the piss, but are you losing money hand over fist? No, I wouldn't do it if I was, but I've, I've, I've sold my house to put the money into making this successful. So um, there's a lot on the line and, you know, been working 20 years towards this goal, to be honest. You know, I walked into um, Ken Duncan's gallery in Southbank back in um, April 1998 and sort of went, oh, my God, wow, yes, this is what I want to do. Mm. It just set off a light bulb moment for me, which was more photography or landscape photography up until then, in my mind, was more just a hobbyist you know, for hobbyists who perhaps were intense bushwalkers who just happened to take a camera with them. Whereas mm -hmm. now it's more like, um, 
more for me when I walked into the Ken's gallery, it was kind of like, oh, wow, right, you can make a career out of this. This is interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I had I had an interest in photography in the outdoors anyway before then. But then yeah. that was sort of like my number one goal was like, right, I'm going to do everything it takes um, in order to have my own gallery one day to sell my own art. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, this is it. But um, it's no, it's it's not it's not losing money hand over fist, but at the end of the day, you've got to drive it pretty hard and it's not for the faint hearted. There's days where you get lots of people walking through and, oh my God, it's amazing. Are you the photographer? Oh, this is amazing work. Wow, you're very talented and blah, 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 blah. And they pay you all the nice compliments, but it, it, it can grind you down if you don't get, you know, somebody coming in and buying a piece of art from you. Mm -hmm. You kind of, you can easily sabotage yourself and say to yourself, what's the point? I'm spending all this time, money and effort to put together a really nice showroom so that people can come in and admire your work. It's like, no, that's not what it's all about. Can you give us a, a tour in a second? Yeah. And so yeah. if you're listening to this podcast right now, just get over to YouTube and do a search for like-minded and uh, you'll see. Tom uh, Hutt, world-famous landscape photographer, and it'll come right up. Yeah. <laughs> the other question I've got for you too, Tom, is the um, stuff in your gallery. The stuff, the most amazing, <laughs> incredible, beautiful artwork you've ever seen. Is that what you meant? Actually, this is that's part of the question. I, uh, is it? Do you? Is, I can't talk, Fletch. Is the stuff in your gallery the, yep. the stuff you think will sell, or is yep. it actually your favourite work? Okay, so that's a great question. Often it's not your favourite pieces that actually sell, as Christian would know. He probably more than often than not goes, wow, I'm going to I'm gonna print this and it's going to look amazing and then it sits on the wall for 12 months and everyone yeah. sort of admires yeah. it but doesn't buy it. Um, mm. So there is the artwork. I remember going to Eugene Tan's. You've interviewed hmm. Eugene, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, he showed me his gallery years ago and it's a very long, thin gallery. It's a mm. disused um, driveway that he turned into an art gallery, right? Mm -hmm. He said, that side or that wall is my wall and that side is the girl's wall. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, that's my latest stuff that I really love. And then that side there is the is the girls who work for me and they know they can sell that every day of the week. You yeah. know, So you've got your stuff that you love because it's your latest work and obviously your latest work is the stuff that you love the most versus mm. the stuff that you hang and you go, oh, don't... That, that's not my best stuff or I don't really like that shot, but hey, people buy it, so it's got to hang. So we're still finding that out after a couple of years, you know, are there certain scenes, colours, um, locations, etc., that people love. Mm -hmm. And we've just sold one um, at the moment. It's called Autumn Colours. If you have a look on my um, my website there, tompub.com, and search for that print. It's a beautiful autumn shot, Christian, taken when we were at Bright about 10 years ago. Yes, I, I, a, I have fond, me fond memories of that trip. That, that yeah, was... yeah. I, I've told you about that bloody trip already and you you forced me to pick you up at the airport at three in the morning. Or yeah, whatever. that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just sold off the wall and that's, you know, something that we should probably have permanently hanging here in the gallery because we've sold it a number of times. Mm. And so... I was just going to You've got a you've got a um, image behind you of a labradoodle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bloody big one. I tell you what. Yes, yeah, this is from the Faroe Islands in uh, in Denmark, and I stuffed that in my suitcase and brought him home with me. It's just out of the back. I'll show you later. This has just arrived yesterday. This is um, the most amazing Scottish Highland cow um, right. that we photographed in the Faroe Islands. That Mary grew up on a farm with cattle, and anything that's bigger than me, like a cow or a horse, scares the shit out of me. So I was hanging back. And she actually uh, went into the to the paddock here to photograph this cow. And I walked closer and closer towards us. You can see that it's actually got 
grass in its mouth just here, right? Mm. And we were literally probably two meters away from this thing. It's huge. Mary's going, oh, I think we should back off now. And I'm like, no, we're staying. Because I had this <laughs> image in mind where I wanted a shot with a wide-angle lens and the scenery in the background. You could see a few other cows there as well. Mm. And you could, we were so close, you could feel its breath and you could hear it ripping the grass off the ground. And you just looked up and, and the wind blew its face and you saw that his eye at the same time as that. So I do love that shot. It's the it's literally arrived in the gallery yesterday. It's the first time what, I've had it. Well, you're not telling us, Thomas, that Mary was wearing a red shirt. You were using her as bait. She was. I, I was tucked in nicely behind her there. I was doing the manly thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. is, that, um, is that Big Sur in the background? It looks like um, something from Yosemite National Park. Is this one here. Well, it is the Faroe Islands, so it's in the North Atlantic Sea. That's one of the places where we've run a workshop before. It's the most mm. series I, of 18 islands that um, sit in the middle of nowhere. It's an amazing place. I thought it was that... Um, that uh, QAnon shaman guy, the um, you know the guy from the Capitol, <laughs> yeah, right? Him too. <laughs> oh yes, right. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is quite a popular piece here. We've sold this a couple of times. The um, there's quite a few horse trainers down here on the Mornington Peninsula, mm. and they take their horses down almost every morning to a place called Balnowring, which is one of the spots here. And um, this was taken in winter uh, last year. Beautiful cold morning, mist rising off the ocean, and these dolphins came. They, they're semi-regular, apparently. I've never seen them there before, but they came and they started swimming in between the dolphins, uh, in between the in, the in between the horses, and the horses are bobbing their heads up and down and just loving it. It was, yeah, yeah. It was really unusual. So, I, I is, believe they do like a bit of dolphin. Uh, <laughs> don't go there. That's how they win the Melbourne Cup. Don't go there. Um, this <laughs> is win the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> this is our most popular selling artwork. This is yeah, Sorrento nice. Back Beach, an aerial shot of few years ago this is this image i've actually wrapped the whole of my um, van with this same photograph so it's become sort of synonymous with the gallery here um we've sold that print probably at least a dozen times so and that beach that uh, harold holt died in oh. uh, it's 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 kind of near there yeah. <laughs> speaking of which if i take you around to this point in a pan shot you'll actually see that same beach where he he um, oh that's where he went uh, which is right here oh really yeah that's, that's the, missing, isn't it? the beach yeah 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 no, I've spoken to locals who were around that time and they said it was a crazy day to go swimming. So yeah. um, there's no there's no wonder he, he went missing as such. Yeah, um, he's dead, isn't he? He's dead. Sorry? He's dead. He's, he's full on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this now. is a place called Diamond Bay, which is a beautiful sort of, uh, you know, crescent-shaped bay um, just here on the Mornington Peninsula as well. Mm. Um, that was shot with a drone last summer um, mm. on a canvas that's about 150 centimetres wide. This is a lovely spot down here on the peninsula as well. Uh, this is on a private property that I get access to. Um, lovely little shots and beautiful mist in the forest there. A lot of the clients are buying this canvas now with a beautiful raw oak um, shadow box frame, we call it. Um, as you see here, we've got the black frame, we've got the white frame. So we only offer three types of framing, black, white, or raw oak. Where are the prices, Tom? Can we see the prices, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got all the prices here next to it. So this one here is 200 centimetres um, by, uh, that's incorrect, 200 by 66 or something like that. This is 3,000. This one here is six, six for that. Most of the artwork that we have here in the gallery is around this 3,000 price mark, which is generally about 150 centimetres wide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, about three grand is our average price. What sort of people buy, buy your, your stuff? It's mostly locals who have, um, you know, a spare spot on their wall. They've yeah. downsized. Perhaps they're, um, they've moved into the area. They've done a reno, something like that, and they've got a big wall that they need filled. So they generally want something local. And, mm. um, and so, you know, interestingly, back to your question about 
what sells. I'd ideally like to have two galleries, you know, in the street or side by side. I'd have one that sells just local art because that's what people want because they, you know, they connect with it. And then I have another one just sells all of this aerial abstract stuff because yeah. they're two different genres. And, you know, people love this and they admire it, but they don't necessarily buy it mm. versus, um, versus other people who fall in love with that more than they do the local stuff. Because mm. to me, um, this is a beautiful piece, right? But it's a, it's like a, it's a documentary style of photograph, you know, mm. it's showing off a particular location that's easily identifiable. When you, when you put something like this up on the wall, it's, it's more like a painting rather than a photograph. It's abstract. It's 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 in, very interpretive in a in a sense that you know people can go, oh my god, I see this, that, and the other in that shot. Mm -hmm. It's a talking point, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's it's like we're trying to sort of hedge our bets and have you know two types of art in here and hope that we appeal to everybody. But how do you go with uh, with panos? Do you still yep. sell those at all? Or? Yeah, I, I'm putting more and more in the gallery as we speak because, um, for example, that that Point Nepean shot that I just showed you, mm -hmm. um, we sold that this morning to um, a client who wants to put that above their bed. So they've got mm -hmm. you know the bed head that takes up a bit of the wall, and then mm -hmm. they've got the ceiling or an air conditioner above that. So they only have a limited amount of space in which to put mm -hmm. that. So as much as I sort of have shied away from shooting panos or at least presenting them in the gallery here they do sell because they've they're they're, um, they're popular because of that format and they also are popular because they fit into those sort of tight spaces mm. yeah. actually uh, just just a uh, just on on panos uh, we've got a, a question in here too this this is from uh, ben triscari and this is for both of you guys um i think your podcast is fantastic and i'm reading verbatim only starting listening this year, but uh, starting at episode one. Refreshing take on photography. Uh, good to hear WA content, mate. Awesome. Thank you for listening. Uh, um, I haven't got to my bit yet. That'll so, take, turn him off completely. If you're listening to episode one, it's going to take about three years to get to the you know to the answer of this question. But his question is in regards to uh, the best lens size, focal length for landscape uh, panoramic photos. Um, what lens you use? Fifty mil. Yeah, it doesn't really matter these days because, you know, the software is so good that it can stitch together pretty much any focal length lens. In the past, the software was so bad that you were better to use a 50mm lens or something longer because it minimised the amount of distortion and therefore the software could print or could stitch it all together, yeah. you know, reasonably well. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, these days it's so good. I, I use um, the equivalent of about a 28mm lens for a lot of my... Panos that I stitched together. Okay, um, cool. And what else? Um, again, it depends. If I'm in a in the landscape and I need to bring everything closer to me to stitch mm. that pano together, I'll just use a longer lens. But mm. it doesn't really matter what you use these days, so long as you give it plenty of overlap. And mm. uh, yeah, that's and true. And, and the guys, I use a zoom. So if I've got my twenty-four to ninety on, then I'm pretty well covered. And 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 I just depending on how many shots I want to make, uh, I'll take. I'll, I'll just um, zoom in, and sometimes I don't even know what what the focal length is. I just mm. go, okay, that looks good, um, and away you go. So, this would have to be one of the first podcasts where Christian hasn't mentioned any of his major sponsors that he gets paid. Oh, I don't want to talk money. about Lycra Australia. One of the <laughs> here we go. Red is camera, camera is red rag to a bull. Listen to Panasonic. Yeah. Oh. Goodness. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, I'm not going to talk about my life. No, Leica. don't talk about Leica. No, no, no. We're not going to mention Leica. I'm not be... going to mention Canson, Canson uh, no. papers. Uh, they make the best papers in the world, of course. But I'm not going to talk about them and, no. and the fact that they got four new papers coming out, which uh, 
we'll be reviewing at some I stage. This podcast was about me, not you. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> that is great paper. Can I, can I just ask a, a question about uh, panos too? Um, a few years ago, I happened to walk into a camera shop and um, bump, I was struggling with panos and had one of those nodal ninja things. I could never set it up properly. I yeah, never, right. you know, it's yeah. just a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and I bumped into Fletch in a camera shop. I'm sorry I, to hear that. <laughs> oh, mate, Still getting over it. Well, it was actually a very long day because I said to him, mate, what do I do? I'm shooting panos, um, using this nodal ninja, and I just I can't stitch them together properly, and it's all distorted. And he just said, well, mate, just get a phase one. Of course he did. He was getting paid. He was on heavy commission at the time. <laughs> so, of course he did. He was trying to flog a phase one to everybody. How do you do it? Do you just get a, you know, do you just get like a, a camera with 187,000 megapixels? Carwin, <laughs> you, you... One of those nodal things? You or? know that we both have cameras that shoot 187 megapixel files in a multi-shot mode, which, you know, Leica obviously and Panasonic obviously do very, very nicely, I must say. Oh, so, no, so, yeah, if you get the stitching, just... Just get on multi-shot mode and away you go. Do you just, you know, do we stitch anymore? Or... Well, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? No, well, I'm going to tell you something. A useless fact for you that I saw the other day was that um, digital camera sales have plummeted from 122 million units back in 2010 to be about down to, I think, 9 or 6 million in yeah, really. 2020. Everybody yeah. is shooting with their iPhones these days. And, yeah. and in essence, there, there won't be any Leicas, you know, Phase 1s, Panasonics anymore. We'll all be using our phones. We'll all be able to print, you know, beautiful quality art from it. There'll mm. be no point. Drones yeah. and phones, that's all we'll be using. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's quite possible, quite possible. We'll, we'll be using the Christians, you know, Phase 1 just as a doorstop for the gallery. <laughs> I don't have that gallery. anymore. I I mean, I love phase one. And, you bloody and, gave it away. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, away, it's, um, dog I only, it's only certain people I know that uh, still shoot phase one and, um, you know, they're still some of the best photographers in, in the country. But uh, oh, I thought you were going to say, and they're complete losers. Complete <laughs> no, no, no. No, yeah. they just haven't uh, seen the light yet, that's all. Seen the light. Get yeah. it? The light. Yeah. It. No, they've invested so much money in it that they can't afford to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where's this going to go? Where does the megapixel war end? No, I think Never it's ended end. already. I think it's ended already. Come on. People say to me, oh, lucky, you're going to upgrade and get that new, you know, Fuji 100 megapixel, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm a believer, to be serious for a minute, that I don't need to upgrade in my equipment unless I feel it's not giving me the results that I need. Yeah. And I'm using a, a five, six, seven-year-old Pentax 645Z medium format digital. The technology is old. Um, it's 50 megapixels. You've seen the quality of the photographs. I don't need anything else. So no. why would I upgrade? I, yeah. I just It's better for me to invest my money elsewhere mm. than in buying. Sure, I'd love the latest and greatest, but I've spent... I'm at the point now where I've spent so much money on my photography over the years that mm. I need to actually start getting some money back. <laughs> you know, like please, somebody buy some bloody art. This is why I'm not. Um, this is why I'm not shooting as much, nearly as much either now. Also, because it's like, well, how many shots do I need? Like, I've already got so many thousands already that I can't possibly hang in the gallery here at any one time. Like, mm. having more photographs doesn't mean I'm going to sell more. I just need to sell what I've already got. So, so you're at the point now where you aren't uh, necessarily out there, you know, shooting? No, no, I don't. I'm not nearly as obsessive with my photography and getting out and shooting. I still enjoy shooting. I still enjoy creating. I love creating for the sake of, you know, a certain project like my books that I do. That, mm -hmm. that drives me and motivates me immensely. 
But in terms of like spending money just to let's go over and, you know, hang out with Christian for a week as much as, as much as I love him and, and <laughs> enjoy his company, I just don't have the time or the, the money to do that anymore. So the sort of personal projects are, are getting put aside mm. and it's, it's more a business proposition more than anything else when I come to shoot these days. Yeah. And I, I think that's the that's for a big workshop or for a book project. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just I'm just not as obsessive and feel the need to go out and get these shots just mm. for the sake of having them in my collection anymore. Yeah, I mean that's a big part of success in the gallery is um, uh, the business side of it. I mean you can be as you know as creative as you want, but if um, if you can't get those people to yeah to buy your pictures, if you can't get them to come into your gallery then it, it doesn't matter how many megapixels your camera is and, you know, what photo, what beautiful photos you have. If they're not coming in buying, then you, your stuff. So, you know. Well, well and, you know, we know more than anything else that you could be the best artist in the world out there, but it doesn't mean you're going to make money. No. There's plenty of poor, starving artists out there that do brilliant work or, yeah. or have to work another job in order to be able to do their, their art, etc. I want to be one of those people that, you know, is successful in photography as well as business because, this is what I've been working towards for the last 20-odd years. So. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, guys. And, of course, if you want to see more of my work, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Just look up Tom Putt Gallery. And if you want to see um, more of my work on my website, it's just tomputt.com. Mate, um, one last question for you. Do you hate Facebook as much as I do these days? I'm not nearly as, um, <laughs> as obsessive about it as well. Um, I don't hate it. I just use it as a tool. It's a nice way to keep in contact with people. I do spend probably far more time on it than I probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, um, I, I'm getting less excited about perhaps jumping on it and, and seeing other people's stuff necessarily. Not, but also too, um, yeah, I'm, I'm less enthusiastic about it as I was years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same. Even even Instagram, etc. I kind of force myself to turn it all off when I'm here at the gallery because mm-hmm. a I've got to be I want to be interacting with the people who come in, but b it can just suck up a lot of your time and it's yeah. it's not time well spent. So <laughs> I probably spend you know 15, 20 minutes at the start of the day and at the end of the day, and then I try to regularly post because it obviously keeps um, people in contact with what we're doing here, etc. Mm-hmm. And the workshops and everything else. But yeah, I'm not nearly as um, obsessive about it as I used to be. That's for sure. Yeah. Bring back the blog, I say. Bring back the blogs. You, you, the, your blog was the bee's knees back then, wasn't it? Uh, back yeah. in those you days, I was devastated when Facebook came in and stopped all the blogging. It was like, oh. Well, it's okay. not that it stopped it. It just took over from it. It was yeah, just a logical progression, wasn't it, really? That yeah. people wouldn't uh, blog anymore. They'd just Facebook it instead. Facebook's just destroyed a lot of stuff, though, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. Yeah. I'll have a chat with him. I'll, I'll get on the phone after this and I'll, I'll, I'll let him know what's going on. Zuck, yeah. if you're listening people to this, happy. Back yeah. off, so Come on, dude. In the world. Come on. Good stuff, Tommy. Hey, mate, it's great to see you again. I'm glad your hair's looking good. Thanks, guys. Um, glad it's it, amazing. Glad yeah, it, look at that hair. Yeah, we're going just... we're gonna, to we're gonna do a fundraiser and see if we can get people to put some money in to get you some decent shampoo and conditioner. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, thanks, um, yeah, Maybe yeah. a blow dryer and, um, you know, a few other bits and pieces. Mm. I do stuff. need a good blow job. I mean, blow wave. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, Mary. Sorry if you're if you're watching this, Mary. I, I apologise, and uh, we know that you're the the secret to Tom's success. And you know, uh, Tom, what's your uh, web address again for people playing along at home, mate? TomPutt.com. T-O-M-P-U-T-T.com. Get on board. And where's the gallery? Address of your gallery? 
one slash one three nine Main Street in Mornington. We're open Tuesday to Saturday, ten till four. So that's one hundred and thirty nine Main Street, Mornington. Yep. And anyone that has any leftover pantine that they're not going to use, please mm. send mm. it to Tom. Donate it to a worthy cause. Yeah. Oh shit! There's my phone again. 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 Oh All right. I got oh, it. Silent. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Good guys. See you, boys. Right. Thanks, Carl.